Lord, a round of applause. He doesn't need our applause, but it's, it's an expression of how we feel about him. You can have a seat. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name's Josh. I get the privilege to, to be the lead pastor here at this church, at Downey First Christian Church. And um, I want to start off by doing something. We do it uh, every Sunday. Uh, if you're here for the first time, we're very glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. But we're going to do something, and uh, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you stand up or say your name or come up on stage and do a dance. Nothing like that. We just want to recognize that you're here, and we want to just give you a round of applause. So I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're here for the first time or you're new to us, uh, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to raise your hand, and you're going to put it right back down, and we're just going to go nuts giving you a Downey First Christian Church Welcome. Sound good? So if you're here for the first time, one, two, three, please just raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you're here online and you're here for the first time with us, also raise your hand. I'm going to give you a big round of applause. Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending this time with us. And uh, again, happy Valentine's Day. It's a, it's a great day to celebrate love. And uh, someone said that um, if you're single, it's a, it's a Singles Awareness Day, right? So sad, right? That's not a funny joke. I should have said that. Somebody was telling me that the other day, and it was, um, I kind of chuckled a little bit, so I share that with you today. So, um, so today we're starting a brand new series, a brand new series, and we're calling this brand new series The Message of Our Worship, The Message of Our Worship. And the whole idea of this whole series is that we will understand what we sing. It's called understanding what we sing because because sometimes we sing songs, and it's possible that, that, that you like the rhythm of the song, you like the way it sounds, but we don't necessarily understand what it is that we're singing. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we were driving uh, in her car, and uh, uh, my father-in-law was in the back seat, and uh, there was this song on the radio. And my wife, man, she was just singing up a storm. She's just singing this song and enjoying this song. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you what song it was. It was actually in Spanish. It's a, good, it's a, it's a well-known song in Spanish. And my father-in-law, he's like, you know the words, you know what the, those words are, right? Like, you know what you're singing. Like, you understand what the song is talking about. And it took five seconds for her to just go like that. Oh, I didn't even realize that. But the rhythm was so fun. It was such a fun song. You just start singing the words, and you don't realize that what you're singing is probably something that a Christian shouldn't sing. So confession time for me right here, because I was enjoying the song, too, until I realized, realized what it was. But anyway, the reason why I share that is because I think that what is true with that song can also be true in worship. So in, we, we do a, a really uh, exhaustive job of trying to sing the right songs in church. Like we, we need to make sure that they're true theologically and that there's no doctrinal issues with it. But the whole idea of this whole sermon series is that not only will we like, okay, we sing the song that we're singing, but that we'll actually be able to enjoy and discover the depth of the words that we're singing. And so... Throughout this whole series, we're going to do four songs that we normally sing. I think we might do a hymn as well. And we're going to be able to just sort of unpack, not the whole thing, but just some of the meat, some of the, the, the meaning of the songs that we are singing. And so Paul writes to his church uh, in Corinth. He spent about a year and a half planting a church in Corinth. And uh, that church was having a lot of issues. I mean, every church has issues. But I don't know of any church that had the issues that Corinth had. And so I'm not going to detail what all the issues were. But one of the things that was happening there is that the, the, the worship uh, service, the time that they came together, was getting a little bit messy. And so one of the things that he tells the church is that when you pray, you need to understand what you're praying. And when you sing, 
You need to understand what you sing. So 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 15 says this. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. And so I'm very excited uh, about this sermon series. I hope you'll enjoy it, and we're going to pray. So uh, we'll get started with this first one here today. Lord God, again, we come to you this morning in worship. We come to you because we want to hear from you. We are here because we want to worship you. We're here because we want to hear from you as well. So we open our hearts this morning to be able to hear your voice. So we'll be able to hear what it is that you want us to hear, Lord. And I pray that I won't get in the way, that my own thoughts won't get in the way, that, that I'll just be able to preach a message that will be helpful to everyone who's here. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. So I'm going to switch the mic here because mine was making a little noise. Wow, that's a big difference. I'm going to stick with this one. Old Faithful, right? right. Yeah. So, um, so I want to say a couple of things before I, I start talking about this whole idea of worship. And I want to talk about a couple of things that we do as a church that maybe you don't understand necessarily why we do them. And one of those things is raising our hands. Raising our, so we raise our hands in worship. Sometimes there's a worship song and we'll raise our hands. And maybe you're wondering, well, why is it that we raise our hands? In fact, if someone comes to our church for the first time, they may be like, well, I understand the words to the songs. I know what they're doing. But why do people raise their hands? In fact, there was this uh, comedian that was talking about the different ways that uh, people raise their hands in church. And he was talking about just different ones. And he was saying that, you know, one of the ways is, is carrying the TV. So he would go like this. It's like carrying the TV. The other one was, uh, what was the other one? Oh, the other one was Mufasa. It was Mufasa. And then the other one, I think, was like Touchdown. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, oh the, some of the women, they would, they would wash the windows. You know, something like that. So anyway, the reason why I share that is because it's very interesting, and it's kind of strange. I mean, if you're, if you're visiting a church, if you're watching people raise their hands, you may wonder, well, why, why, do, they do, why do they do that? And now it's interesting to, to discover that, that raising hands, you, you find that throughout Scripture. Like you find, you find the, the act of raising hands as an act of worship, you find that throughout Scripture. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I desire then that in every place the man should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Psalm 63.4 says, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Lamentations 3.41 says, Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Psalm 28.2, Hear the voice of my plea for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward the most holy sanctuary. So lifting hands is, is a biblical thing. You find it throughout Scripture. Now, it's not a mandate. Like, I don't want to say, hey, you have to raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand in worship, that means there's something wrong with you. No, no, no. I don't, want, I don't want to say that at all, but I don't want you to hold back. Like, if you want to raise your hands in worship, I want you to do it. Just raise them. Just raise them. Because when you raise your hands, what you're doing, it's a sign of surrender. It's saying, I give it all. I, I, give, it, I, give, it, I give it up. It's almost like if you're at gunpoint, like, hey, I, I, just, I got nothing, right? So it's like you're just, you're just surrendering yourself before God. So I want to encourage you to do that, to lift your hands and surrender. And so the reason why, why we talk in, in, in our church about worship being our spirit is because I want us to be a church that is fully surrendered to God. Now, don't get me wrong. 
Don't get me wrong. Like, if you raise your hands, I'm not going to say, oh, that's a person who surrendered. No, no, no. Raising your hands is an external expression of an internal reality. Because I don't want us to get religious about this either, but I want you to feel free. To feel free to raise your hands to God while we're worshiping. Another thing about worship that that may be strange for someone who maybe comes for the first time, or maybe if you're from a, a, a hymn tradition, which I am, I grew up singing hymns, is that these new contemporary worship songs, they have a lot of repetition in them. Like you'll sing a verse, and then you'll sing it again. And like, oh, we just sang that. Well, then you sing it again. And then we're singing it again. And like, why? We literally just sang that. Did we forget the, the part? And then it's like over and over and over again. And you may wonder, why, why are we singing the same verse so many times? It's a good question. Because if you're telling someone someone, you just have to say it once. Like, I heard it. Why do I have to say it again? Let me explain it this way. So you understand what we're doing. So have you ever been in love? If your spouse is next to you, you need to do like that, by the way, just to be safe. So, so being in love is a beautiful thing. And, and when you're in love with someone, you're going to find different ways to say the same thing, but sometimes you're just going to repeat the same thing over and over again. I love you. Man, I just love you. I love you so much. Like when I see you, this love starts. So you start repeating the thing that you're saying over and over again. It's like the, the wife that tells the husband, she's like, you never say that you love me anymore. And the husband is like, well, I told you once we got married, if anything changes, I'll let you know. Right? So it's not, you understand what I'm saying. So there's this repetition that takes place, and we find it throughout Scripture. In the Psalms, we find repetition in the Scriptures. In fact, Psalm 136 repeats the same phrase 25 times. You think God is up there saying, I get it already. No. He's not like that. Because the thing about repetition, and again, it's not that we have to repeat, but the reason why we do it, we're not transmitting new information. Like, like, okay, God's up in heaven saying, I know, I get it, that my love endures forever, right? No, no, we say it over and over again. Why do we say it? Because, because we're not transmitting the information over. We're going deeper into the same thought. It's like meditating on the Word of God. Sometimes you go to, to one verse and you just like, you take, it, you take your time there. You read through it over and over again. Sometimes we do the same thing in worship. So we go deeper and deeper. So I want to say those couple of things before we started here, that raising our hands is biblical, repetition is biblical, joyful noises is biblical, symbols are biblical, strings, flute, passion, dance, all these things you will find in the Bible. I want you to feel free. Now, I don't want, to, I don't want you to feel pressured. No, no, no pressure. But I want you to feel free to be able to express your worship to God. You may say, well, I'm, I'm just not, that's just not me. But sometimes in, in, um, when we're watching a game, right, if you're watching a game, you get excited. So there's that, that passion that appears. I'm like, if you're feeling that toward God, feel free to do it, to just scream out, to raise your hands, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I want you to, to feel free to do that because we're, I truly believe this, we are stepping into a new season as a church. And worship is a big part of it. That's why we say worship is our spirit. So I want us to go deeper in worship. I want us to surrender in worship. And, and just, just for clarification, there's not one size fits all for everyone. If you like hymns, we got you. We have a hymn singing early in the morning at 9. If you like uh, Spanish, 11.30. If you like English, contemporary, we got 10 o'clock. So it's this whole idea of, of, of there's no right or wrong. 
Like if we're doing contemporary, it's not that we're doing it right and then hymns is wrong. If you're doing hymns and you're not a fan of contemporary, it's not that there's one right or there's one wrong. There's this freedom that comes in worship. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. So that's the whole idea of this whole uh, sermon series that we'll go into worship and understanding what it is that we sing and why we do it. Because, because when we sing songs to God, what we're doing is we're declaring the goodness of God. We're declaring his majesty. We're declaring his power. We're declaring his love is what we're doing here. And it's not just about emotion. This is what the sermon series is about. It's about also understanding what it is that we sing. And so we're going to start off with one of my all-time favorite songs. And it's What a Beautiful Name. What a Beautiful Name. I love that song. What a Beautiful Name it is. The name of Jesus. What a Beautiful Name is the name of Jesus. His name is beautiful. It's beautiful. How many of you guys have kids here? So when you have your kid, when you have your kid, um, you want to choose the right name. And when you're thinking about a name, you want, you want a name that, that is going to encompass everything that you want your kid to be or everything that you don't want him to be. You want his name to be biblical. You know, you want it to sound good. You want for his name, to, you know, you, you want to avoid bullying also, which Karen, by the way, I'm so sorry. Like, it's just, it's not your fault. Like, if your name is Karen, like, you did nothing wrong. You did, your parents didn't know. They didn't know, okay? And so it's really unfortunate. It's really, really not fair. And so we want the right name, right? There's a lot in the name, and the same is true for the name of Jesus. You see, the name of Jesus is not random. The name of Jesus is not just, oh, it's a good name. It sounds good. No, there's a reason why Jesus, our Savior, has the name that he has. When the angel appeared to the Lord, sorry, when, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, uh, uh, he said this, in Matthew uh, 1, uh, 21 says, she will give, she, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because, listen to this. He will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is derived from the, from the Hebrew Yeshua, um, uh, which means deliverer or rescuer. That's what his name means. That's what the name of Jesus means. And there is power in this name. So when you say the name Jesus, you're saying rescuer. When you say the name Jesus, you're saying deliverer. And I don't know about you, but I've been rescued by Jesus. And I've been delivered by Jesus. And so when we declare the name of Jesus, we are declaring the fact that he delivered us and that he rescued us. So important. You see, Jesus came with a mission, and he accomplished that mission on the cross. When he was on the cross in John 19, and he says, it is finished. He, he finished his mission. The veil tore before him, says the words of the song. You, you silenced the boast of sin and the grave. So his rescue and his deliverance mission was accomplished for you and for me on the cross. The boast of sin and grave was forever silenced on the cross. But here's the problem with this, is that I think it's easy for us to get confused. I think it's easy for us to, to, to get confused when we talk about deliverance and we talk about what Jesus did for us. You see, you see sometimes what we think is, is like we, we, we can look at this name and we can say, you know, he, he's, he's a deliverer and he's a rescuer, but a rescuer and a deliverer from what? Like, what is he rescuing and delivering me from? There's this big sign in New York that said, Jesus is the answer. 
and then a little graffiti on the bottom that said, what's the question? And so the question that I want to ask you today is, is what is that big question that Jesus is answering in your life? What is it? What is that thing or those things that, that Jesus is rescuing and delivering you from? What is it? He's a rescuer and a deliverer. But what did he come to rescue you from and deliver you from? Your money problems? Did he come to, to rescue you from health issues? From unfulfilled dreams, toxic people, frustration, rebellious kids? What did Jesus come to rescue and deliver you from? Now, don't get me wrong. I need, I need rescuing and delivering from a lot of things. Like, there's things in my life that I need to deal with and I, do, I need fixed and I need Jesus to rescue and deliver me from. And he does. And he will continue to do so. And I will pray my heart out for all the things in your life that you need rescuing and delivering from. But here's the problem. That's not the main plot. Like, that's not the, that's not the message of Jesus. So he came to deliver and rescue. But it's so important for us to understand what Jesus came to do and what he did not come to do. So we understand that when we're receiving blessings or things are good in our life or bad in our life, we understand what Jesus came to do and what Jesus did not come to do. You see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I, I pray that we'll understand this. this is so important. I think that we, we sometimes make this, we make this strange connection. And I see this over and over again. You see, we make a strange connection in our lives as Christians, as followers of Christ, or even if you're not a Christian and you're looking at the church from the outside, there's this strange connection that we make when things don't go your way, things don't go my way. Like, hey, I didn't get the promotion. I thought Jesus was my rescuer and my deliverer. You know, the, the, the person that you, that, you, that you hoped and prayed that was going to make it passed away. And you're like, I thought Jesus was my hope. I thought he was my deliverer and my rescuer. Maybe you got a no when you're expecting a yes and you're wondering, well, Jesus says it's in his name. He's a rescuer and a deliverer. What happened? Things don't work out. And so we make this connection. Like, wait a minute. The, the, the name of Jesus says that he's a rescuer and a deliverer. But, but I don't see that in my life. And the flip side is also true. You know? You get the promotion and you're like, oh, see? He's my rescuer and my deliverer. He or she that you were praying for survived. You see? He's my rescuer and he's my deliverer. That's in his name. He promised it and he did it. You got a yes. When a no was a big possibility. You see? Because Jesus is my rescuer and my deliverer. Things did work out because Jesus is my rescuer and my deliverer. Listen. So important. He may come through for you. Amen. We will pray for that. We will believe for that. He may, his, his answer may be yes. It may be maybe. It may be wait. It may be no. That's possible. We will pray for God to do the thing in your life that you need for him to do for you. But don't get this wrong. Don't get me wrong. That's not what he came here for. That's not the, that's not the main plot of the reason why Jesus came and gave his life for you. Jesus came for one reason, and one reason only, to rescue you and deliver you from your sin. We have to understand this. So important. 
This is a big one. Because here's the problem that we have. This is the problem that we, we think of sin as, as a footnote. We think, wait a minute, that's it? Just my sin? Wait a minute, I, I thought, I, I got bigger issues than my sin. No, 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 don't get me wrong. There is no bigger issue than sin in your life. There's no bigger issue than sin in the world. The main issue, the main problem, the biggest issue is the issue of sin. Now, at the risk of offending... I want to say that that is your biggest problem, and that is my biggest problem, is the problem of sin. Our sin separates us from our Creator. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. Our sin, brothers and sisters, is not a footnote. We have to understand this. If it was a footnote, if it wasn't a big deal, Jesus wouldn't have had to die for it. And our sin has a price. Our sin has a wage. It's a price that we should have paid for our sin. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Biblically, there's no escaping from this in the Bible. That's what we deserve is death. Separation, eternal separation from God. So we have to understand this. We have to feel this. We have to let that idea sink into our heart. So important. But the purpose of that is not guilt. The purpose of that is not condemnation. That's also important. But like we've said before, so we understand the price that Jesus paid. We have to understand the gravity of our sin. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's how we understand the true beauty of the name of Jesus. So let me be crystal clear. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I, as I close here. Jesus may, may, listen to this. Listen to this. This is the message right here. Jesus may solve your money issues, and he may not. But that is not what he came to deliver and rescue you from. Jesus may, may give you the promotion that you want, and he may not. But that's not what Jesus came to deliver and rescue you from. He may heal your body this side of eternity, and he may not. But make no mistake, that is not what Jesus came to rescue and deliver you from. He may end this pandemic. I think he's ending it. He may not. But don't get, don't get this wrong. This is not what he came to deliver and rescue us from. Jesus Christ came to deliver and rescue us from one thing and one thing only, and that is to deliver and rescue you from your sin. And that is not a footnote. That is why Jesus is so beautiful. That's why his name is so beautiful. Because he delivered us from sin. And he rescued us from death. So this is, this is what we're saying when we proclaim the beauty of the name of Jesus. And some of the words of the songs are here. It's, nothing compares to his name. There's nothing that compares to it. He didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was greater. Who could separate us now? Death could not hold you. The veil it tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and the grave. The heavens are roaring. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. 
Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. And this is the name that we proclaim. This is what we sing about. When we're singing this worship song, what a beautiful name the name of Jesus is, Think about the fact that he's your rescuer. Think about the fact that he is your deliverer. And yes, he may come through for you, and he will. We'll pray for it. But the main plot of it is that he rescued you, and he delivered you and me from our sin. So let's sing that song together this morning. Why don't you get on your feet, and we'll sing this together.